<laughs> so if we could just have that PowerPoint up, guys, that would be amazing. Cool. As you can see, I'm going to call my message this morning a victorious Christ. Yeah, I'm really excited about this message that God's given me, and um, it's a message that we all need to hear. So today is known in the Christian calendar as Palm Sunday. If you're a good Anglican like I was, used to be, <laughs> you would know that. Um, some of the others of us perhaps who have gone up in less traditional churches maybe don't know that. Um, but Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. And it's traditionally about remembering Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, where he was met by his followers and um, supporters who lined the roads and waved branches cut from palm trees. <laughs> uh, she's determined to get up here, eh? I, was, I loved before, which she was, I don't know if any of you at the back could see, but she was putting on the ministry team um, t tags, name tags, and thought, yep, there's our future ministry team leader. <laughs> Now she wants to preach. <laughs> um, so that entry into Jerusalem, it fulfilled Old Testament prophecies promising that God's, God's Messiah would come and would enter the holy system, um, city, Jerusalem. Um, Zechariah 9.9 there, you can see, talks about that. So many churches have used the Sunday to do a dramatization of what's called the Passion of Jesus really just about the trial, suffering, and death of Jesus, which followed soon after he entered Jerusalem. All these things were prophesied too. There's another example of a prophecy. It's just one of many, many prophecies. It's worth Googling the prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus' um, death and resurrection. So one of many prophecies that relate what was about to happen and about how Jesus would be rejected by his people how he'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, how he'd be tried and condemned, and that he would be mocked, he would be spat upon, and that he would die by crucifixion with his hands and feet pierced. So take the time to look that up. It's really, um, it's really encouraging, actually, to see how many prophecies are fulfilled in his death and resurrection. So today what I want to do is I want to take some time to look at what happened at the cross, what's known as the atonement, which quite simply means at one mint, at one mint. Atonement is all about overcoming a serious breach between two parties so that the two parties can be one again. So in this case, the two parties are God and mankind. In other words, atonement is all about reconciliation. You see, the, the gap, um, the separation between God and man was wide. It was brought about by man's sin, and mankind could not overcome that separation. But God made a way for us to be reconciled to him through the cross. You know, it's really interesting. Paul tells us in um, 1 Corinthians that if the rulers of this age had understood the cross, they never would have crucified Jesus. If the rulers of this age had understood about the cross, they never would have crucified Jesus. So what is it about the cross that's so powerful? What is it about the cross that's so life-changing? 
What is it about the cross that's um, not just life-changing, that's uh, world-changing, world-shattering, that if Satan realized what was going on, he would have chosen a different route? You know, Dr. Um, Gregory Boyd, he's a theologian and a pastor um, in actually Minneapolis. I got the chance to go in here and when I went up and visited Kim and Garth. Um, But he talks about the cosmological shift that occurs when Christ defeats death. The cosmological shift that happens when Christ defeats death. And And that only as we understand this, this huge cosmological shift, do we do proper justice to the magnitude of Christ's victory. You know, I want us to get that this morning. The magnitude of Christ's victory is immense. And if that's not something that excites us, um, and believe me, there's plenty of times I have to do this myself as well, then we need to tell our souls to get excited. We need to stir ourselves up and get rid of our complacency. Because complacency is not our friend. You know, complacency is not cool. Because what happened on the cross was huge. It literally shook the heavens and the earth. The magnitude of Christ's victory is mammoth. So we're going to take a look at the cross this week in the lead up to Good Friday. And then next week, Easter Sunday, I'm going to be back and we're going to be looking at the resurrection. And these two things are key to our faith, as you'll know. They are key because they directly reveal the nature of God. You know, our understanding of what happened at the cross and in the resurrection um, affects our view of God, and it directly affects how we live our lives and whether we live victoriously. How many here want to live a victorious life? Yeah, hopefully everybody. (laughs) Hopefully everybody. Okay, so it's time to listen up because this message of the cross really is revolutionary. The reality is that the the cross is all about the love of the Father. That's the first point I want to make this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.19 tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is the message of the cross, that our Heavenly Father was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You see, some of us have been taught that um, that when Jesus died on the cross, he was standing between us and God preventing the, the wrath of um, God being poured out on us. But this just isn't so. You know, many of us think that um, when Jesus died, he stood in for humanity. We think that Jesus took our place and took our punishment so we can go free. The thought many of us have is that Jesus paid the penalty so that we could have a relationship with a just but angry God. But I want to assure you today that the cross has nothing to do with the wrath of God. Neither does it have anything to do with punishment. The cross of Jesus has nothing to do with the wrath of God and neither has it anything to do with punishment. Now that might be a new thought this morning. 
And if, it, if that's so, I want to encourage you to hear me out and to keep an open mind. Um, if you look at Isaiah 53 verse, verse 4, what happens in this verse is that Isaiah tells us that we will misunderstand what was happening to Jesus on the cross. This is what the verse says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Basically, Isaiah is prophesying that we would see Jesus' suffering and think that God was punishing him. Now, he took our pain and bore our suffering. That's true. But what we do then is we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, and that's just not true. Let me read it for you again. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yes. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. The Young's literal translation says it like this. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten by God, and afflicted. The cross has nothing to do with punishment or the wrath of God. God's wrath is connected to the law, to the old covenant. It's important to understand this. Romans 4.15 is really clear about this. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. You know, the Mosaic covenant resulted in laws that caused the wrath of God to come upon the people when they broke the law the laws. But with the coming of Jesus, a new covenant was inaugurated. You know, this really needs a whole message in itself. Um, I talked about it a bit last year in October, and I refer you back to that message if you want, if you didn't hear it, if you want to go back over it again. How many of us understand that in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Remember when John the Baptist testified about Jesus in that way? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What he's doing there is referencing the old covenant where the priests were required to sacrifice a lamb every morning and every evening for the sins of the people to renew their covenant with God. Every morning and every evening they had to sacrifice a lamb. And that's something that's so foreign to us in our culture. What it was all about was a coming together in faith in God. When the, when the priests made those sacrifices, it was about coming together in, in faith to God that through that sacrifice they would have forgiveness of their sins and their relationship with God would be restored. Um, again, we don't have time for detail for that, but um, Pete's doing a four-part covenant uh, series um, in Kingdom School of Transformation with the fourth one tonight, all about a life redefined, which talks about the atonement in lots more detail. Even if you haven't got along to the other nights, I encourage you to get along tonight and, and um, you can watch the other ones online. You know, if you consider it, No lamb's sacrifice was ever punished for sin. The animal merely stood between the owner and God, and its shed blood brought covenantal forgiveness and renewed the covenant relationship that the people had with God. 
Jesus was a perfect lamb sacrifice. In doing that, he created a brand new covenant through which the Father could forgive sin. You know, it's good news. Our sins have been forgiven once and for all through what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus' sacrifice has done away with the need for animal sacrifices, not only the ones that were done daily, but all the ones found in the Old Covenant. He died as a perfect lamb sacrifice once and for all, for all time. You know, in Hebrews it says that Jesus appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The end of the age there refers to the end of the old covenant. That's what happened at the cross. A new covenant was established. The cross was not the punishment of sin. It made the way for the Father to forgive sin. He forgave our debt of sin through the perfect sacrifice. As I said before, God was not angry, but he was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not holding their sins against them. The cross was, a, was an act of love and forgiveness, not an act of God's wrath put upon Jesus in order to spare us. So that's point two this morning. God forgave our sin once and for all through the perfect sacrifice. Point three is that the cross is all about the Christ's victory over the evil powers of the world which have held mankind in bondage. You know, on the cross, Christ defeated the devil. 1 John 3, 8 tells tells us that the reason Jesus came was to destroy the devil's work. That's the reason he came. Why? Why? because the whole world was under the power of the evil one. You know, Christ's life and his death and his resurrection is about victoriously manifesting the kingdom of God over the powers of darkness. Now, I've used this illustration a few years ago um, here, but I really want to use it again today because it's really powerful. So can I have four volunteers up? We need at least one male and one female, maybe a husband and wife, and we need two other people. (laughs) Thank you, Sully. Nice of you to volunteer. Do we have anybody else? Joel or Mel? Come on up. Somebody else? Janelle, do you want to come on up? No? Who who else wants to come? Come on, Kayleen. Kayleen. Okay. Okay, so what we have here is we have Adam and we have Eve. And which way shall I go here? Um, what we have here is we have, we have Jesus. And, sorry, Kayleen, we have Satan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, now at the time of creation, when God placed Adam and he placed Eve in the, uh, in the garden, he gave them what? He, he gave them authority. He gave them power. He gave them the keys, if you like. He gave them power and the, um, authority over the whole earth. 
He gave them a mandate to go into all the earth to subdue it and um, told them to rule over it, didn't he? Here's the scripture there. So what happened at the fall, though, is that man gave their place of dominion and authority over creation. They gave the keys of authority to the Satan, to Satan, and these things became the devil's possession. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we forfeited our authority to the enemy, and that's why... Um, um, that's why Satan could offer the realms of earthly authority to Jesus in the wilderness after the 40-day fast because he had the authority. And what the devil wanted to do was he wanted to trade that authority for worship. But what Jesus did is he turned down that shortcut. shortcut. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. But when Christ died and rose again, he defeated Satan and he stripped the keys of authority away from the devil. Yeah, you can cheer. That's good news. <laughs> when he came out of the grave, he took with him, he brought with him all the captives with the keys, the authority, and he emptied the grave. In other words, he gave back to mankind. He then gave back to mankind the power and the authority. Yeah. Thank you, team. Thank you. <laughs> you know, this is good news, and it's, it's time that we um, have a revelation of our authority. Yeah. Yeah. Colossians 2.5 says that Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers. The enemy is disarmed. He doesn't have the keys anymore. Yeah. Revelations 1.18, Jesus says, I have the keys of Hades and death. How much authority did he win back for us? All authority. Good. That's why this, the Great Commission begins with the statement, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So how much authority does that leave Satan? None. None. Yep, absolutely. You know, in the dictionary, zero, zero authority is defined as an insignificant thing, the absence of quantity, i.e. nothing. <laughs> and the only way that the devil can have any authority now is if we give him ours. Let's look at Daniel um, for a moment. He, referring to Satan, will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times in the law. This was prophesied by Daniel way back in the Old Testament. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit and his, Satan, that is, Satan's power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. So when did Satan's authority get taken away from him? At the cross. Yeah, it's not a future event, it's happened Christ has already won the victory, which is good news for us. Um, in Luke, Jesus is depicted as binding the strong man, binding Satan in order to plunder his home. 
This is what was happened at the cross. Satan was defeated and authority was restored to man. Hebrews tells us that he too shared their humanity. That's Jesus. God shared their humanity so that by his death, by Jesus' death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who who all their lives were hurled in slavery by their fear of death. That's what happened at the cross. Satan's power has been broken, and we have been made free. God shared in our humanity. He was in Christ, one God, three persons. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The cross is all about bringing us back into a relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. Lots of scripture this morning, but it's good to see this in scripture. Know that I'm not leading you astray. (laughs) Colossians 1. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. The devil has no more claim on us. That's who we are this morning. If we know Christ is our Lord and Saviour, we are holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. It's a free gift, freely given. The accuser, the enemy, the devil, has no more claim on us. And we are reconciled to God, and that is super good news, (laughs) to put it mildly. God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of God. As I said before, the cross is all about the love of the Father. God was making a way for sin to be forgiven, and for relationship to be restored. That brings me to the fourth point I want to make today about the cross, and that is that on the cross, a new covenant was cut. On the cross, a new covenant was cut. The cross itself, the death of Jesus as a covenantal lamb, was the establishment of a new covenant. You know, in each of the the, um, four major covenants in the Old Testament, God has always been on one side of the covenant, and a man on the other side. Again, I'm going to do a little promo because <laughs> um, I not going to, can't go into more detail here. We just don't have time. But if, I, if you want to find out more about covenants, then starting May the um, 7th, I'm going to be doing a series on covenants, God's covenant journey with mankind in our KSOT on Sunday nights. Um, but in what we call the old covenant, in other words, the Mosaic covenant, the covenant was between God and Moses. However, in the new covenant, which was established on the cross, the covenant has been made between God and Jesus. You know, in the old covenant, um, Moses and Israel were never able to keep up their side of the covenantal agreement. You know, what they had in place was they had a special annual day set up called the Day of Atonement. And on this day, the high priest would first have to slaughter a bull 
for the forgiveness of his own sins, for his own sin offering. And then two goats were brought in for the people's sin offering, one which would be slaughtered and one which would become the scapegoat. Then what would happen would be a cleansing of the holy place, the tabernacle where God dwelt, because the sins of the people and the sins of the priests would have contaminated it. Then two rams were brought in as a burnt offering and so on. This was done every year, the Day of Atonement, every year again and again, so that the people could receive forgiveness of sins again and again. You know, that Day of Atonement, it foreshadowed, it, um, it anticipated a greater permanent cleansing, didn't it, of God's people and God's dwelling place, which was to be accomplished by a better priest, Jesus who offered a better sacrifice. You know, Jesus came down into humanity and he stood on one side of the covenant as God the Father's covenant partner. You know, Jesus is not only the high priest of all humanity, but he's also the sacrificial lamb that seals the new covenant. So powerful. 1 John 2.2 declares that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. You know, Jesus stood in the place of humanity, and he's forgiven all our sins. All we need to do is to receive that forgiveness in order to be reconciled to God. So what you have is God the Father on one side of the covenant, one side of the equation, God the Son on the other side. The Father in partnership with the Son. The Father didn't abandon the Son on the cross, but the Father was in partnership with the Son, with Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. An act of love like no other act of love. What you have is the Father and the Son together bringing the world back into relationship with the Godhead. Yeah. You know, as as we go into Easter, as we go into Good Friday, um, I think sometimes we can get really introspective and we can get really sort of, you know, like Friday, you're not supposed to have fun, you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be serious because Jesus died on the cross. And, you know, there's an element of that, but... It's also a joyful day because it was the Father and the Son reconciling us back to himself where they forgave our sins. It's not just Easter Sunday that's a, that's a joyful day and a happy day. It's, it's Good Friday as well. It's important that we get that the Father and the Son were in partnership with each other, bringing us back into relationship with God, forgiving our sins. Psalm twenty two twenty four says, For he, meaning God, has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one, meaning Jesus. So he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He, God, has not hidden his face from him, Jesus, but has listened to his cry for help. What an amazing verse. You know, God the Father did not hide his face from Jesus on the cross. He didn't desert him. It's this psalm that Jesus was referring to him, and this is where so many of us have become unstuck. 
It's, but it's this psalm that Jesus was referring to when he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, many of us have been taught that that statement by Jesus shows that God turned his back on Jesus when the sin of mankind was placed on Jesus. But in the psalm, Psalm 24, uh, Psalm 22, it clearly teaches that this is not so. What was happening when Jesus was quoting, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is he was quoting the first line of Psalm 22. So for the Jews in Jesus' day, to quote the first line was to quote the entire psalm. They would have understood this. So by quoting this first line um, of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus is saying to them, take note of Psalm 22. The whole of Psalm 22 is important because there's important stuff in there for you to understand what I'm doing. And when you look at verse 24 of of Psalm 22, we see that the psalm does not teach a separation between God and Jesus but rather teaches a victorious view of Christ, where Christ has defeated the enemy and brought man back into relationship with the Father. Essentially a cosmic victory in heaven and earth, setting the captives free. You know, it's a view that understands that love is the basis of the cross, the love of the Father for a world that was lost and dying. The reality is is that the cross is an act of liberty and an act of love. I pinched that from your message last week, Pete. (laughs) But the reality is, it's so good, it's so true. The cross is an act of liberty and an act of love. The cross was a partnership of the whole Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three working as one to bring about a great victory over the dominion of darkness, working as one to see that the kingdom of God would be established in its fullness. You know, this new covenant that was established at the cross was prophesied in Jeremiah 31. I haven't got it up there, but if you want to take note and read it afterwards, it's Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. This is what it says. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt. So in other words, not like the Mosaic covenant. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, Christ came and took the curse of the old covenant, dying as a new covenant sacrifice. His death created this new covenant of forgiveness that we get to live in. Not only that, but in his death we have healing for our diseases. Isaiah 53.5 tells us that by his stripes we are healed. Psalm 103 tells us that not only does Jesus forgive all our sins, but he heals all our diseases. This is what it says, Psalm 103, 2-3. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. I found this quote, which I absolutely love. 
Jesus, it explains that psalm so well. Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases at the same time and in the same manner he bore your sins. You are just as free from sickness and disease as you are free from sin. You are just as free from sickness and disease as you are free from sin. You should, sit, you should be as quick to see sickness and disease in your body as you are to cease to sin. Wow. So in summary, what are the key points from today? Firstly, on the cross we see the heart of the Father revealed. The reality is that when you see Jesus, you see the Father. <coughs> Sorry. Jesus is God incarnate a perfect representation of the Father, an exact representation. If you want to know what the Father looks like, look at Jesus. That's what he is like. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at Jesus. When you think about what happened on the cross, think about, um, think the same way about the Father as you do about Jesus. The cross reveals the heart of the Father. The cross provides a way for our sins to be forgiven once and for all. All we need to do is to receive this free gift. Number three, through the cross, the enemy was defeated. Yeah, good news. Mankind is restored to its original place of dominion on the earth. We talked about that extensively today. We have authority over all powers and principalities, all circumstances in our life. We have authority over them if we know Christ is our Lord and Saviour because Christ has removed the um, keys of authority from the devil and he's given them back to you, to us. Number four, in the cross we have a new covenant established between God and man where forgiveness and healing are part of the deal. How good is that? Yeah? Yeah. On the cross, we died with him. On the cross, we died with him. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about this this week because we didn't talk about it today. But for now, I just want to point you to 2 Corinthians 5.14, which says, "For for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, which was Christ, and therefore all have died. So we did not die with him physically, but we died through identification with Christ. You know, when we accept Christ as our saviour, then a union happens where spiritually we go to the grave and then we're resurrected with him. And we'll get into that more um, on Sunday next week when we talk about the resurrection. So on the cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is a mighty work, a mighty work which reveals God's immense love for humanity. It reveals God's immense love for us, God's immense love for you. The act of atonement is initiated by God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. 
For what purpose did Christ come down from heaven? He came down to destroy sin, to overcome death, and to give life back to man. Oh, I don't think I put this up. Did I put another one up? No, I didn't. Oh, yes, I did. You know, there's a guy, Gustav Allen, who did a great study on the work of the atonement back in 1931. And his book is a classic. And I love this, how he puts this. The work of Christ is first and foremost a victory over the powers which hold mankind in bondage, i.e. sin, death, and the devil. God himself entered into this world of sin and death. The same hand of God that formed us in the beginning and forms us in our mother's womb. So the same God, the same God that formed us in the beginning and formed us in our mother's womb. This is not an angry God, this is God our Father. Um, sought us when we were lost, gaining his lost sheep and laying it on his shoulders and bringing it back to life with joy into the flock of life. Yeah. Why don't you stand? Just stand with me. Wow, let's just pray. Pop your hands out in front of you. Let's just pray. God, yeah, God, how amazing you are. We want to say thank you today. Yeah, we just want to say thank you, don't we, guys? Yeah. Our God is an amazing God. He's made the way. What love he's shown. Think about it for a moment. What love he's shown you. Yeah, what love he's showing you. It's not everybody else around you, it's you. If you're thinking this morning that, that no, that's not me, then you're, then you're hearing the voice of the enemy, you're not hearing God's voice. This love is for you. You know, in a minute we're going to have, um, there's going to be opportunity for ministry and maybe we might even finish off with that God of Miracles. But um, but what I just want us to do at the moment, sometimes, just like Trent said before, we're too quick to want others to pray for us. You know, we're responsible for our own Christian lives. We're responsible to steward um, our lives well. And I just encourage you right now, just take time to do business with God. if you've had a long picture of who God is then it's time just to say sorry God and to, to, to readjust, to have another thought to readjust your thinking to who God truly is maybe you don't have the assurance that you're forgiven so that you can let go of the past maybe you even need to forgive yourself for stuff where you've mucked up, 
or someone else. But often the hardest person to forgive is ourselves, isn't it? So just take this time this morning to forgive yourself, to forgive whoever you need to forgive, to receive God's free gift of forgiveness so that you can live a victorious life, free from shame, Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you have done for us, for the way that, for making the way on the cross for us to enter into this amazing new covenant that we might um, receive forgiveness of sins, that we might be restored back to relationship to you, that we might receive the full power and authority that Christ won for us on the cross, where we get to live now from that place of having dominion over the whole earth. You know, they're saying this week there's going to be another, um, another big storm. Let's start praying that no, that there would be no storm. You know, we've got power and authority over the whole earth, not just over our circumstances, but the whole earth. The same um, dominion that we were given, that Adam and Eve were given, has been restored to us to rule over the earth, to subdue it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.